0: Welcome to another episode of the Mahoney Advanced Training Podcast. Once again, this is going to be a hybrid episode where we give you both tips and tricks and and we do a recap of this week's challenge session. Okay, tip number one. This one is dedicated to my nephew, Christopher Demunda, aka Demunda, as he's known in the training group. So Christopher is obsessed with getting jacked and he keeps asking the question and maybe he's hoping for a different answer. What do I need to do to get big? Do I need to do uh, heavy weight and low reps or a lot of weight and, sorry, yeah, or a lot of weight and a lot of reps? And the answer, I guess the simplest answer is big weight, low reps makes you strong, but it's not going to give you that much size. It'll give you size, but it's not going to give you that m- much size. And then higher reps with less weight is going to give you size and it'll make you strong but it's not going to make you as strong as the big weights and low reps so you may say hey what's the right rep range to just get big the right rep range that most people would say is between 8 to 12 reps so that's the simplest answer a little bit more of a complicated answer is that it's time under tension that is king time under tension is king so the longer your body is under tension the bigger you're probably going to get So why am I saying that? Well, if you want to take advantage of getting big, and we do this in the program that I wrote for Damunda and posted on the Advanced Training website on how to get big, you will take advantage of your time under tension, specifically while working on things like the eccentric portion of a lift. So what is that? The eccentric portion is when you are over oh, sorry when you are accepting the weight. Meaning, if you're bench pressing and the weight is coming down to your chest, that is emphasizing the eccentric portion of the lift. If you are doing a barbell back squat or any back squat, it's when you're coming down into the bottom of the squat that you are emphasizing the eccentric portion of the movement. So when you are in the eccentric portion, that's when you're going to gain size. When you're in the concentric portion, which that's when you're overcoming the weight, that's when you're pushing the weight up on a bench press, when you're pushing the weight up on a squat, that is when you're going to get stronger. So if you're doing something like our tough man workouts on Saturdays, that's not going to make you big because what you're doing is predominantly concentric movements. That's why mixed martial arts fighters, it's a great, if they have to keep their weight at a certain weight to fight, it's great to do these tough man type workouts because it's working on the concentric motion. So again, it's going to be if you want to get big, it's going to be lighter weight for more reps, emphasize or leverage time under tension, and then specifically do it on the eccentric portion of your lift. And if you really want to become like a legit meathead bodybuilder, you know what we did with Doc when Doctor Tom brought it to my world was to go slow on the up and the down. That's really going to maximize the time under tension. So we would call them uh, OCOM, OCOM Bench Press, OCOM Squat. Again, all of this is in the program that I wrote for DeMunda and put it on the advanced training website that I'm pretty sure he hasn't used, but other guys have. So uh, you're welcome to the people, you people should actually be saying thank you and you're welcome to Christopher DeMunda for A, asking this question, and B, getting me to put a program on my website that has to do with hypertrophy that I've actually... Probably wouldn't use myself because I, my goal right now is to just get really strong and really fast. Okay, tip number two. Tip number two. A quote that I am thinking about. This actually came from Rob Wallet. And it came from a video game. <laughs> it came from Assassin's Creed. So here is the actual quote. It is. I'm pulling it up right now, Juan, because he sent me a picture of a video game. It says, Of all the battles a man can fight... The war against himself is the hardest to win. I'll say that again. And this is pretty sick. I, Assassin's Creed, I used to play it, actually ruined <laughs> ruined many-o-month of my life. Because when I start... That's why I can't play these games. When I start playing them, I can't stop. Anyway, I digress a little bit. I'll say it again. Of all the battles a man can fight, the war against himself is the hardest to win. And I'm. this is fitting for today, and I'm... Jumping ahead to the challenge for a second, but at the end of our challenge sessions, we stretch, we get our body in, back into the parasympathetic nervous system, uh, uh, we, we kind of we calm down, we relax, we breathe, we meditate a little bit. And one of the tricks that we do during meditation is, and I, I got this from uh, my man Austin, who trained me how to start meditating, was just listen and try and count how many sounds you hear. And guys are talking about a car beeping, a bird chirping, a guy walking by with uh, cleats on. And one of our guys, I won't say his name, I asked him, what'd you hear? And he said, the angry voices in my head. And he was mad at himself because he thinks he had a bad day of training today. So, I'll say that quote again, because it was him versus him. He did a great job of training, he just got mad at himself for, for no reason because he's too hard on himself. But, again, of all the battles a man can fight, the war against himself is the hardest to win. Thank you, Wallen, for sharing that Assassin's Creed. Great game. Uh, man, I'd love to play it again, but then everything else in my life would probably come to a screeching halt. Okay, tip number three. It's a productivity tip. Tip number three. Write things down. This is You say, Coach, this is the simplest of the simple, right? Just write things down. No, I'm going to tell you why. So, yeah, I write my list of stuff that I need to do every day down. But I'm talking about when a thought comes in your mind... A thought that you think, ooh, I don't want to forget that. You need to write it down on a piece of paper. A great little trick would be maybe to even have small index cards where you write one thought down on each index card. But the pro- here's why you need to write it down. Because when you don't write it down, your body goes into this fight with itself, similar to that quote, where you're like, I can't forget it. I can't forget it. Oh my god, I'm going to forget it. right? And now it is taking like this, this headspace that you need for, to focus on something else – For you to not forget that thing that you think is so important. So when you do write it down, it relieves your mind of that burden. You've actually taken that burden out of your brain. You've put it onto the paper. And it's just a thought. You don't need to act on it right now. It's a thought. Maybe it's a great idea. Maybe it's something that you you just don't want to forget. Whatever it is, write that thing down. So have pen and paper handy. Or if you don't, uh, I've been trying to use my notes on my phone. Even if it's something in the middle of the night, it's on my head. Like I'm, I can't go to bed, or I'm, it's like two o'clock in the morning, and I'm thinking about something for work. And I'm thinking about a presentation for work. I put it, I write that thing down, and then it's gone. It's, it's the, the burden of remembering that, because that was a big fear in my head. Was, oh my God, I'm gonna forget it. This, this great thought, this great training program, this great challenge, it's gonna be gone. No, now it's, it's remembered. By, on that piece of paper, the burden from your brain has now been moved to that piece of paper, and then you can have clarity of mind. Okay, tip number four. Something that I am experimenting with. It is a GPS tracker. So, uh, the NFL, actually, I believe they have it in shoulder pads. They have GPS trackers that can tell them how much load their guys have had over a practice session or during a game. And they do, they literally do load management on their players. And they're starting to get a, some teams, not all, are starting to get a feed the cats mentality of, Ooh, uh, this guy ran too much today, let's shut him down. Ooh. Uh, we're short a wide receiver, and all of our guys have not hit their top-end speed in practice because they're kind of they're milking it, right? They're conserving energy. <coughs> so I got myself a GPS tracker. I am experimenting with it to see, hey, is this thing worth getting for a football team? Now, if you're a high school football coach and people will afford a GPS tracker for every single player, you just get it, we're going to stick one on a running back. We're going to stick one on a wide receiver. We're going to stick one on a linebacker, and then you can see how they're doing in practice. What's their top-end speed? Are we overworking them? Are we underworking them? You could put them, on in, put them on in games and say, oh, this is how much they really run during a game. This is the top end speed during a game. Why am I practicing this way and not that way? So I am experimenting with it, and I'm going to say, this has nothing to do with the company. It's actually called SPT Tracker. I think it's me, but my first two experiments did not go over very well. Uh, experiment one I apparently left the GPS tracker on all night, and the battery died midway through our first workout. Experiment two, my GPS tracker, while I turned it on, it didn't get connection until the very end of my last workout. So, uh, yeah. But it, it seems like the features are cool. I could see my top-end speed. I could see a heat map. It, you know, you you pick you put a picture up. You know, you, you load this thing onto your computer. It actually puts a picture up of where you were running and where you spent the most time. So I saw Owl Howl Field when we ran on the field. I saw the Owl Howl parking lot when we ran the parking lot the other day. And it shows where we spent the most time moving. Unfortunately, I have yet to capture a full workout with this thing. And it's probably 99% me. And also, my computer is Going to all hell right now, so thank you, Microsky, for helping me out. They they bailed me out, so uh, my computer's going to all hell, and I couldn't get this thing to work. So I just got it to work now. There's a lot more experiments coming, but uh, this is kind of fitting. Now this probably won't help the the old man with the uh, the stopwatch that guys have so many issues with on our challenges because I don't, it doesn't do that. It's not going to calculate who went fastest from point A to point B, but it is going to tell you your load. It's going to tell you your heart rate. It's going to tell you the, the, the fastest you run during that session and, and what zones you've been working in. Anyway, more to come. I really hope this thing works, not because I invested some money in it, but because it'd be. I think it would be a great addition to a football program to, to really bring sports science into what they're doing. Okay, so, tip number five, something that I am watching that is moving me. I am rewatching for the third time, Game of Thrones. It's not just because uh, I love dragons and... All that other nonsense—it's because I really do believe there is an insane amount of behavioral science that was thought of or brought into the story by the great George R. R. Martin. So I—I've read—I've read. I think I read the first two books. I had to stop when it stopped going through, like connecting with the show. It just my mind couldn't handle it. But I've made a lot of notes on these books because there are things that fit into the human psyche, power struggles, uh, not just. Not just in a sporting event, but in the corporate world as well. And really, people trying to become a head coach. People trying to become a vice president. It really is a Game of Thrones. And the third time I'm watching it, the third time I'm watching it, I'm learning stuff that I didn't even know about the storyline. So it's definitely worth watching again and again and again. At least that's what I'm telling myself. All right, tip number six, craziest thing I heard all week and I was legitimately thinking of doing a podcast, this podcast, this specific podcast, on training with Galley. So Tom Galley, he is the top guy in our challenge. He has 15 points. He is the highest points of anybody in our, our challenge season that's going on right now. For whatever reason, at pretty much every workout, you know, we have guys working stations and he just always seems to be in my station. And I've tried to avoid working out with him because for whatever reason, when I first started working out with him, I'd always lose my sliders and he would take a lot of pleasure in that and he started getting in my head. Anyway, we were working out today and he said to me, Coach, I'm getting old and I said, How old are you? And he said, Uh, I just got over the quarter century mark. Uh, I'm turning twenty seven. I said, Hey, age it's a choice. Kinda of meaning like, you know, you could work out, you could stay fit. You're choosing to get old. Or as as old as as fast as fast sorry, as you're getting as old as quickly as, as you're allowing yourself to become. I'm not saying that Galley is because he's obviously in great shape and he's doing great in these challenges he hasn't lost yet. So uh, I said, age is a choice. He goes, yeah, I guess you're right. So well, And I'm like, wow, man, this kid, this kid's actually agreeing with me. And he said, uh, yeah, I guess you're right. You could also uh, choose to die early. And I, I had no, resp- no response to that. So uh, I was like, yeah, I guess if you want to, you know, Die a a healthy person, you could figure out a way to off yourself. I don't know if that was his intent, but he definitely caught me, and I had literally no response to what Tom Galley said as many times when I am working out with the great and powerful Galley. The other reason I was going to make this a podcast on training with Galley there's two reasons. One, I was going with three. One is he's doing sliders, and he is moving at like a rocket's pace. I can see him out out of the side of my left eye. He is flying. He's flying so fast that both of his fl- sliders explode <laughs> off his legs. Uh, I've seen people lose both sliders, but I've never seen them actually blow up like the back of a rocket ship. <laughs> both sliders fall off. Another time he's doing sliders, and he was the reason why I used the tip last week of not overpacking your neck on sliders. So he's, he overpacks his neck. I say, Gally, I'm sure you did not listen to the podcast this week, but you should not overpack your neck. And he said, uh, yes, I know you shouldn't. Uh, but I still do it anyway. So, I, again, I had no response to that with uh, training with Galley. And then the, the fourth thing that made a great training with Galley, because he's always got my back. <laughs> uh, there was a head-to-head challenge today. And you know what? I'm going to pause it right there. We'll come back to this. I'm going to write this down so I don't forget it. I'm going to pause it. But there's one last thing that the great Tom Galley did today, because uh, he's my boy. So let's get into this week's challenge. So this week's challenge, this is the, the tag team event was something that we've never done before. And I'd have to say it was a little bit selfish on my part for two reasons. One, when we set up the seated sled pull and we go from one guy to the next, it takes forever to go from one guy to the next. And it just bothers me. And two, selfishly, I really want to see how these guys work under stress and how they work together under stress? Are they going to turn on each other? Are they going to pick each other up? And when they're actually operating, are they going to lose all of their skills, right? Like it's easy to do something when you have time, but are you going to be able to operate and pull this sled under pressure? Well, so what was the tag team challenge? So the tag team challenge was if you think about uh, a soccer field, there's a box. I don't know what the intent of this box is because I'm not really into soccer at all butt, but it's a box around the soccer field. It's not the goalie's box. It's a box outside of that. And we said, okay, you're going to take this sled. It had 210 pounds on it. And you are going to sit down on a bucket and pull this sled into you with a chain. And you're going to repeat that over and over and over again until you get the other side of that box. Then you're going to turn the sled around and bring it back. And oh, by the way, you're going to do it as a team. And here are the rules. Only one guy can touch the chain at a time. So people that have no idea what this is all about, why is that so hard? Well, what happens is, as you're doing this sled pulls, you're sitting on the sled and you're pulling a chain into you, the chain is collecting on top of itself. And a lot of times, guys will pull the sled on top of the chain, and now it's just like virtually impossible to easily get that chain out from under the sled, which is what annoys me to no end when working out. Like Guys will just do it over and over and over again, and then they'll say, oh, coach, the workout's taking too long, or there's a holdup at the station. Yeah, because you keep putting the sled on top of the chain, so it bothers me. On another side note, I'm digressing a lot. These guys also, when we set up for the workout, won't put the chain on the slit, Like, it just seems to be a thing that everybody avoids putting the chain on the slit. So, I'm getting my redemption to myself by putting this challenge in. So, these guys, re- I, I, am, I, I, I sent them a text afterwards, but I was super, I, they just never stopped impressing me. One, how they dealt with the pressure. How fast they moved. And two, how guys never turned on each other. Because there's, there's gonna be mistakes, right? You're, you're probably doing this thing about 10, 15 times in a row. Because I only gave them a seven yard chain. And that distance from point A to point B was probably about 45 yards, right? So maybe they're doing it 14, 15 times. And there's times where you're going to screw up. There's times when you're going to forget when it's your turn. There's times where you're going to drop the chain, right? There's, there's times where you're just going to pull the chain, the sled on top of the chain by mistake. Nobody yelled at each other. Nobody got mad. These guys operated at expert level. And I said it after the session, right after that part of the session, that I don't know when or how this is going to help you in your life but I really hope it does. Like, I don't know. Maybe there'll be some sort of apocalypse uh, where these guys need to work together or they're working on a boat together. I don't know. Or maybe just some other facet of their life where they have to work under pressure, not just with their mind, but with their body at the same exact time with other people. And I, I, I just, I'm really impressed that these guys did not turn on each other because the stakes, at least in our little mini world, they're high. They're high because if when you lose, now you are eligible to go into this elimination bracket, which is what happened today. So the winning team for the second week in a row, the winning team by, I think it was five seconds, this is includes a three-second penalty that they had put on them. I believe they're calling themselves the Junkyard Junkyard Dogs, which includes this guy, Galley, that I keep talking about. You had Jersik, the young blood. You got Baraji, the foreman. And you got Joe Marechko, who is the team captain, and uh, I I'd say... I wouldn't say he's a trash talker. Maybe one of the consummate questioners of everything that goes on in advanced training. Even calling out, calling me out today, or trying to call me out for my little rule of, oh, by the way, only one guy can touch the chain. We won't get into that conversation, but he did try and call me out on it. So, having said that, the, again, the beauty of this thing, too, was is I, I just love listening to the teams try and strategize. And then learning from the first, the first team that went uh, – it was this the Joe Shallacy team. It only had three guys. It had Carol, Weintrop, and Lear Walker. And they're the first team that went. And they finished like thirty seconds slower than everybody else, but people got to learn from what they were doing. Every other team had four guys, so they got more rest. They got to watch. So when you're the, the championship team, like these junkyard dogs are, I think this is what these guys are calling themselves. I don't know. The Junkyard Dogs, when you're the when you're the championship team, the next week you get to pick the order of everybody going this event in this event. So they picked that team, Shalacy's team, to go first. And that team went first, and they lost by about 30 seconds. So, big congrats to the Junkyard Dogs. Two wins in a row. Uh, great stuff. Galley now has 15 points, 5-0, top of the entire seating. But now it gets to, okay, now we're, it's a double elimination week. We're going to have a head two head-to-head challenges. So, the Junkyard Dogs, they get to pick two guys. They pick for the first round, Pete Amorosi, absolute Total legend of advanced training, and Nick Carroll. Nick Carroll's had a couple of years at advanced training. Then he moved away for business, and now he's back. And during the workout today, somebody said, "Oh, Joe Marechko said Nick Carroll is he a freak of nature? He's just a dude, right?" And I said, "No. Did you, did you remember Nick Carroll when he started in advanced training? He was uh, Nick Carroll's going to get mad. I'm going to say he was." close to being awful when he first started at advanced training. His feet were broken. Uh, he had, he was pretty good at deadlift, but he became great at deadlift. He wasn't awesome at deadlift when he first started. And in tough man competitions, he was never a top three guy. He he was good, but he was never awesome. But something happened to Nick Carroll when he moved away. He kept training and training and training, and now he looks like a completely different person and his, his feet have healed. Again, he had foot issues, which at the time I didn't appreciate because... I didn't have them, but now that since I've had them, man, how did this kid, had he do what he was doing when he had the, the foot issues? So these guys, Nick, it's Nick Carroll versus Pete Amorosi, And I'm thinking, what made them put these guys to go head-to-head against each other? Well, Pete Amorosi already has a loss. They probably want him out. And now Joe Moretchko is thinking that Carroll's a dude. They want him out, so they put him head-to-head. Good choice. So they p- pick Nick Carroll to go first. He goes first, and what the deal is, it's a, I'd say it's a 20-yard seated sled pull but now we've added a little more weight on. It's 235 pounds to a 20-yard slider. Now, you're you're already tired from the tag team event. Then you throw in a 20-yard t- slider. Then you throw in the fact that the field's starting to dry off a little bit. And Nick Carroll goes, and he does awesome. Except he loses a slider. And then his foot touches the ground. And then his foot touches the ground again. And there's a new rule in advanced training. It's a Sarno rule, because Sarno has apparently greased up his cleats. and doesn't even care if he has sliders or not. Where, when he does a single-leg slider... He just puts his other foot on the ground he goes. Now, the new rule is, when you lose a slider, you get one touch for balance, and that's it. After that, it's penalties. So Nick Carroll goes. He gets a 30, I think he got like a 34.8, but I tacked on two seconds because he put two extra touches on the ground. Nick Carroll, who previously in the session, I overhear him saying, man, I love everything about advanced training, then proceeds to, I'm not going to say he ripped off on me, but he got a little angry. He said, uh, Coach, you could have told me that. You could have told me that. You could have told me there was a penalty because Nick's only been back for a few weeks now. I don't know if I don't know if I remember if telling. I definitely didn't tell him right before the event, but it was mentioned when people were doing their single leg slider tests, uh, and it's been mentioned before. But I don't know if he was there when he mentioned it because other guys knew. Now, rewind to training with Galley, as Nick is heated, and you know this thing, things get heated here at advanced training as guys' emotions can run high in, in these physical events. I hear out of the corner of my left ear, Galley always seems to be my left, yeah, I'd be pissed off too, just to throw a little more fuel on the fire. So uh, thank you, Galley, for trying to uh, calm down the situation by instigating. By the way, I love you, Galley. So anyway, Coward gets a 36.8, Pete Amorosi's up next. Now Pete, I would say, I've already said, legend at advanced training, I'd say, within our tough men, always a a top three to four guy and at the seated sled pull and sliders. He's definitely a top three to top one to three guy every single time in the group that we have right now. Uh, I'd say he's probably the best guy at seated sled pull. So I'm like, okay, this is, this is money in the bank. Carol's great at seated sled pull, but so is Pete and Pete is one of the best guys we have at sliders. So Pete's wearing gloves. I don't know why. Uh, Maybe they heard him, maybe they held him. I know for me, I do not operate well with gloves. But Pete's time, when he goes, it was like 36.65. Now, I am fair enough to say that that was too close a call, given all the circumstances, for me to say, this is it, Pete Amorosi wins. Because it was just too close of a call. There's too many variables, it could be a slow finger. Uh, you know, you're know, you trying to get these guys to start at the right time, when they start and stop at the right time. So I said, it's too close to call, you guys have got to go again. We give them a break. We go to the next team, the next people that go head-to-head. They have Rob Wallen go against Brian Weintraub. Brian Weintraub, this is his second workout. Wallen, this is his second year in the group. They have Wallen go first. Wallen, who I think he kind of like is like he was a bottom-tier guy. I'm giving this this data out of you can look it up on our site, but he might have been a bottom-tier guy when it came to the tough man. And he does the sled pull and has the fastest time of the sled pull. So I think when, like, Carroll went, he got 21 seconds. He got to see the sled pull, got the sled to his feet. By the time Amorosi got it there, he got it there in, like, 20 seconds. But, oh, sorry, 22 seconds. But Rob Wallen gets it there in 19 seconds. So he's beating these guys by 1 to 2 seconds. He gets to the sliders, and I, I guess he lost the slider, couldn't get his foot on the slider, but he couldn't set up. And it slowed him down by one to two seconds. It definitely slowed him down by one to two seconds. And that's all it took because Brian Weintraub went right after him. And Brian Weintraub gets time of the day. Brian Weintraub comes with no gloves, psycho, it's freezing out. You know, it's like I think it felt like 24 this morning. We're pulling a chain all morning. No cleats, so he has no traction with his feet. He has the best time of the day with, I think, 34.5 seconds. So Wallen got 36.5. If Wallen didn't lose a slider in the beginning, they would have had to go all over again. So now Weintraub comes, second workout. Boom, he gets a win. Wallen gets his first loss. And now we go back to the original competition of Carroll versus Pete Amorosi. So now Carroll, I don't know. At this point, he's probably got death threats against me Hates my guts. He goes again. Beats his first time. Beats his first time, even though he's fatigued. I think he gets like a 35.6, something like that. Doesn't lose a slider. Then Amorosi, I'm thinking, all right. If Carol beats his first time, uh, Amorosi's gonna beat his his first time, we're gonna have to go into like a double overtime. So Amorosi also beats his first time, but it just wasn't enough. I think he was like a full second or a second and a half behind Carroll. So now Pete Amorosi, advanced training legend, that's his second loss. He's officially eliminated from head to head challenges on these uh in our twenty twenty two challenge season. So another great day guys are really getting after it's getting interesting because now we have three guys that are no longer allowed in head-to-head challenges and something else for these teams to think about so this Shalasi team it's been this team of misfit toys of weeks of just two guys this week they only had three guys but a message was sent today two of the three guys on Shalasi's team won in head-to-head challenges in my mind and they, they, and they won, and, and they won against good guys, right? So this is not like they, they won layups here. These guys won with convincing numbers. If that Chalasi team could actually get everyone to show up, they may have went from the worst team to the best team. That's right. I said it. I said it. You guys can get insulted if you want or not. But Chalasi's team could have went, I didn't say are, or definitely, but they could have went from the worst team to the best team. We'll see. Time will tell. You don't like what I have to say? Beat him. Keep beating him. But Chalasi's team, your team actually has to show up. Like, uh, I don't know why everyone on that team goes skiing or goes away every weekend all the time, but the only guy that has an excuse is Eppinger, who he's working, has a new job in the sanitation department, and uh, I guess Yuski has a, a half excuse, but... (laughs) I won't get into that. So those two guys, I'm sure they're not going away skiing all the time. But everybody else, I don't know what kind of social life you guys have. But if you guys just show up, you could be the scariest team. Tag team right now there is. Yeah, the Junkyard Dogs are probably offended. And Derek team is probably offended. Good! Let's see what happens. All right, men. Have a great rest of the week. Talk to you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Microsky, your one-stop shop for IT and computer services. Now, I've been a customer of these guys for years, and here's why. They make things easy. My computer had died. They came, picked up my computer, recovered all my data, and then set me up with a new computer in three days. Fully loaded, I just pressed the on button, and I'm ready to go. Made my life super, super easy. Now, they don't only specialize in computer repair. They also specialize in cloud backup, data recovery, cybersecurity, and IT support plans. Do not be like me. Do not wait until your computer dies to get in touch with these guys. Visit microskyms.com slash contact. Microsky, that's S-K-Y-M-S dot slash contact. If you want a free month of cloud backup, make sure you put AT2020 in the referred by field in the contact form. Again, that's AT2020. Do not wait like I did. Contact them today.